Amen. Would you take a seat, please? And it would be probably really helpful to you, in fact, definitely really helpful to you, if you were able to open up a Bible again uh, at Revelation chapter 2, at page 1235, and the Bible's in front of you. As you know, if you've been coming along, we've been going through the letters to the churches in Revelation. We're looking at, at Thyatira tonight. Actually, we're going to take a break after tonight from Revelation. And allow me, just as we start to say uh, thank you, uh, thank you to everyone uh, who has congratulated me recently. It's been, it's been really, really nice. Thank you very much for that. I've begun to feel uh, that some of you are more excited than me. <laughs> Who'd have thought shaving off my beard would have generated so much joy? Uh, thank you as well to everyone for your good wishes on my engagement to Julia uh, as well. Uh, well, it, it, seems that, it seems that every week things get trickier for Mr. Blair, don't they? Uh, questions about cash for peerages, uh, questions about the war in Iraq, and, and so on. He has so many details to keep his eyes on. Uh, people uh, often feel frustrated with big government, uh, don't they? Uh, what we want is, is big government that's able to deal with the details. That's what we want. I don't envy the government their job. I certainly couldn't do it. And so I'm grateful that they're trying uh, but I don't know if you've started to feel that when people hear big talk from big government, well, they're not that impressed. That the words of the Prime Minister uh, don't command the respect they once did. It's interesting because this letter to Thyatira begins and ends with big government. I don't know if you noticed it. It's there in verse 18 if you have a look at it. Uh, we read these words. Uh, these are the words... Of the Son of God. That's big government, by the way. A Son of God is kind of like Prime Minister, but much bigger than that. We should have picked it up in our reading from Psalm 2, where, where God says this I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. And then the king responds, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I've become your father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance. That God has appointed a king. It calls him his son, gives him this title, the son of God. And says, you are to govern everything. That's who Jesus says he is. These are the words of the son of God. It's always the same, isn't it? Big government giving us the big talk, and I'm sure we're all really impressed. And what about the details? Actually, the details sound quite impressive, albeit they're done in that kind of symbolic language Revelation seems to use. These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. It's not too hard as you, you think about it for a moment to have a guess at the symbolism. Uh, feet like burnished bronze... Well, this is one government that won't be shaky on its feet. Uh, there's something solid and spotless about it. Uh, not a hint of corruption to make it unsteady. And eyes like blazing fire. Uh, when this one looks at you, you're pretty sure he notices the details. And he seems to know all about Thyatira, uh, the smallest town of the seven who receive a letter, but it gets the longest letter... You see verse 19? Here's what he says. I know your deeds, 
your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. See, visit Thyatira on any given Sunday, and it will be very encouraging. See, you'll, you'll, meet, you'll meet the young mums who have really been helped by the, the mums and mums-to-be group. The love that they've been shown by Christian friends in the group that seems to have been shaped by their faith in Jesus, and it's been compelling. Several of them have become Christians themselves. You'll meet the students there um, who are involved with the Christian Union. Even when it's been difficult, they've persevered, kept going, serving there, and you can't help but be impressed by them. You pick up their welcome booklet, and the amount of stuff they're doing they are being genuinely creative in their outreach. Yeah, Christ Church Thyatira isn't the kind of church who thinks it's okay to just sit back. And actually, whether you notice it or not, the encouraging thing is the Son of God notices all these details. Big government that's got a handle on the details. It's good to know that, isn't it? If you're a Christian, good to know that the true God really does notice you. He notices the details. But read on, and you realize just how interested he is in the details. In fact, his attention to detail is what he wants us to understand. You just look down to verse 23, and you'll see these words. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. But notice that. It's quite striking. Then all the churches will know. Not just Thyatira. Something's happening in Thyatira that, that Jesus is going to deal with. And it will serve as an illustration for all the churches. Something in Thyatira has been picked up by the Son of God and the fire in his eyes is flashed red. And he's decided to deal with it publicly so that we'll know the Son of God always pays attention to detail. Do you know what the issue is? It's there in verse 20. This is the issue. You tolerate that woman. They're tolerant. That, that's the issue in Christ Church Thyatira. And don't get this wrong, it's, it's not being tolerant of the man who stands beside you in church and jangles the change in his pockets all the way through the hymns. Uh, although, uh, I've stood beside that man as well, and it is quite annoying. <laughs> it, it's not being tolerant of the friend who's not a Christian, who holds different views, and while disagreeing, you still maintain a friendship. No, this is something else. This is being tolerant of someone who's distorting the heart of Christianity. They're tolerating false teaching. It's someone rewriting the message of Jesus. And the Son of God has something to say. These are hard truths for the unthinkingly tolerant. And three things we'll look at tonight. Christians being really naive. It's something about false teaching and and that it's deadly serious, and, and that Jesus wants us to be responsible alongside him. So first of all, just to think about this, Christians can be really naive. For some, we don't really want to believe it, do we? And we don't really want to believe that within the church, 
that there are some who are not teaching the truth about Jesus. And that that must mean they are wrong. Listen, we need to stop being naive. I don't know if you like uh, magic tricks. I was, I was showing uh, one to someone on the student team the other day. They loved it, completely taken in by it. Uh, you take a little hanky like this, uh, and you kind of, obviously a magic hanky, not just any old hanky, uh, and you, you, you push it into your hand like this, and make sure it goes down nice and tight. And if you knew any magic words, you could say them. I'm not going to share them with you because they're far too secret for you. Uh, and you push it down nice and tight, and, and it's gone completely. It's amazing, isn't it? It's, it's all been done by magic. You're not that naive, are you? Um, you're not that naive. Um, you, you're not taken in by it. You know I can't do magic, so even, even, when, I, even when I manage to, to pull it out again out of, out of thin air, <laughs> you, you're not taken in. You know I'm not magic. You, you don't believe it. I, I've got a false thumb. That, that's how I did it. There you go. Some people were naive over there. You're not taken in by things like that, are you? You're not taken, you weren't naive. You don't think I, I can really do magic. But, you see, around the church, you sometimes feel we're almost willing to put up with anything people tell us and hardly raise a question about it. In Thyatira, the problem wasn't false thumbs. Thyatira had a false teacher. Just pick up what she's like in verse 20. A woman who calls herself a prophetess. It claims to have spiritual insight. She seems to be a persuasive teacher because as you read about her, it seems that she's begun to lead a significant group within the church. People are following her. It would be wonderful, wouldn't it? It would be really wonderful if false teachers were ugly, boring, and obviously bonkers. Yeah, and it would be wonderful if I really could do magic. We need to stop being naive. Thyatira shows us False teachers will come. They'll appear spiritual. They'll be persuasive. And many people will follow them. Will you be one of those people? Will you be one of those people that will follow false teachers? Now here's the thing. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's in charge. He is big government. And he is the unique saviour. We've heard that again in our baptism service tonight. He's able to forgive and he wants to forgive anyone who comes to him. He's made that possible through the cross by dying in our place. He is unique in that. No one else offers that. A false teaching always wants to distort something about him. So you can imagine what's happening in Thyatira. Instead of proclaiming clearly that Jesus is Lord and the unique saviour, now, this prophetess is beginning to change it. Maybe into a Jesus who is loving without being unique. And you see the direction it's leading people, verse 20. Sexual immorality. And eating food sacrificed to idols. That, that amounts to joining in with idolatry. It's wanting your cake and eat it. Still wanting to go to church, but willing to join in with other things. And those kind of things, well, they're, the, they're the bread and butter of false teaching. Uh, joining in with idolatry. Well, it was probably hard for them in Thyatira standing up for the uniqueness of Jesus. And when the pressure is on, perhaps it's in business, 
in the workplace or, or in politics or in family life. When you're dealing with people who, who worship other gods or no other gods at all, well, surely we can accommodate their views. In fact, it would, it would actually be arrogant for us to say to these sincere colleagues that Jesus is unique. And so when the question comes up, just avoid it. Especially when your church leader says in our Bible studies that your, your private beliefs don't need to impact your public life. God won't mind you joining in with sincere worship in other religions. And in effect, they say to Jesus on his throne, budge up. Budge up. Make, make some room for someone else up there. And sexual immorality, well, you can imagine in Thyatira that if Jesus is somehow reduced from Lord to just a kind of spiritual comforter, when he becomes not the one who saves people to live for him, but the one they chose to make their lives more complete, then the Christian life starts to revolve around what makes me feel happy. And therefore, when it comes to sex, why shouldn't I think in terms of what makes me feel good? In fact, to say to church, in fact, to say church members are sexually immoral, well, that starts to sound unkind, doesn't it? We're talking about people's relationships. You can't say things like that. And so little by little, in Thyatira, instead of Jesus calling the shots, someone else is. You understand Jesus' point in verse 20. She misleads my servants. And while the Son of God's eyes flash red, he waits for his church to say something. And he waits, and he waits, and he waits. A teaching that leads people into idolatry and sexual immorality. No one says anything. It's tolerated. Can I say, maybe you're here tonight and you're, you're not a Christian yet. Perhaps, perhaps you've even been put off by the way churches seem to argue over different things can't understand it. Or the inconsistency you see in church leaders who don't even appear to believe what the Bible says and you think that's odd. It's a terrible thing when that happens, but here at least there's an answer. And Jesus says to you, you will meet some church leaders who will not tell you the truth about him. Don't be naive. If I were you, I'd want to ask, well, how can I, sure, how can I be sure about Fullwood? How can I be sure this is a place where you'll hear the truth? Well, can I say, if we ever appear arrogant or self-satisfied, I can only apologize for that. But if you want to know if we're being truly Christian, well, the thing to do is check and see if we're trying to teach the Bible truthfully. Are the encouraging bits and the uncomfortable ones? And not wanting to pull the wool over your eyes, letting you see it for yourself, and that we're trying to live our lives as best we can responding to this word. Because then, even if you don't like it, you know we're not trying to be arrogant. We're trying to be truthful about Christianity. Oh, back to the passage. Certain names uh, capture your imagination, don't they? You hear Mother Teresa, you know what people are thinking of. You, you hear Adolf Hitler... Uh, this woman in Thyatira, uh, some call her a prophetess. Some a gifted teacher. Jesus calls her Jezebel. 
If you know your Old Testament, you'd know that she was just about the wickedest woman in the whole of the Bible. And Jesus says to Thyatira, that's who you're tolerating in your church. In fact, he says, her, her teaching's actually second-hand. She didn't invent it herself. She didn't even come up with it herself. You see verse 24? She's teaching Satan's so-called deep secrets. You call her a prophetess? Stop being naive. And what about if we move from Christchurch Thyatira to Christchurch Fullwood? I know your deeds. They are impressive. But Jesus spots the details. And what are we tolerating? Maybe not false teaching from the pulpit, but do we hear of Anglican cathedrals that offer Buddhist meditation and not feel concerned that the uniqueness of Jesus is being questioned? I sat in an event hosted by students from an Anglican church in Broomhill called Why Jesus Isn't the Only Way to God. And while Jesus' eyes flash red, I said a little for what it was worth. But I never even contacted their vicar to say it was terrible. Or maybe you've moved beyond tolerating this teaching. It's already started to do its work in your life. You actually started to find yourself uncomfortable about saying that Jesus is unique? Or have you begun to make some moral compromises? Perhaps sexually, still thinking it'll be okay. It really won't. We need to stop being naive. Well, here's the second thing. Looking down at verses 21 to 23, is, is false teaching is deadly. And my dad took me to see Jaws when I was much younger. I asked him, do you ever like this with your dad? I asked him if it was scary and he said, no, no, it's all right, it's fine. I had a big bag of popcorn. There's a scene, I don't want to frighten you now if you've not seen it, but there's a scene when a, a head that's been bitten off floats out. There's an eye missing. I squeezed that bag of popcorn. It exploded over everyone around us. <laughs> my dad was in stitches. I was petrified. He took my mum to see it as well. She's never been swimming in the sea again. She lives in Scotland. The most dangerous thing, I think, is a jellyfish or pollution. But my mum says, my mum says, you never know. <laughs> Better safe than sorry. It didn't take much to scare us. It still doesn't. But it, some people seem to get immune to warnings, don't they? Have you noticed that? Maybe you, you're like this. Even when the warnings are shocking. So cigarette packets that say smoking increases your chances of lung cancer... It increases your chances of heart disease. Smoking kills you. And a friend of mine who smokes wanted to collect the set. <laughs> or how about this one? Uh, the, the road signs that say, in the last 12 months, 84 people were killed on this stretch of road. And just as you're reading it, someone overtakes you on the outside going way too fast. And you know they're going too fast because you were already over the speed limit. You read Jesus' words in verses 21 to 23 and, and the warnings are, are shocking. The language he uses, he'll pick up the language of sexual immorality and he'll describe the Bible studies this woman does as more or less the antics of a prostitute's bedroom. What a way to describe a Bible study. The antics of a prostitute's bedroom. And he'll talk about these bedroom antics leading to intense suffering. 
And he'll talk, verse 23, about striking their children dead. It's not pleasant, is it? I wasn't looking forward to this passage, but it's the words of Jesus who is unquestionably the most, living, uh, most loving man ever. And he feels we need to be shocked. You read through this, and, and Jesus seems to say what's going on in Thyatira is, is personal, relational, and deadly. A person, well, it's, it's verse 21 again. She misleads my servants. It's an offense against Jesus. It's relational, verse 22. Those, those who go along with this woman's teaching, it's not just a case of going along with teaching. We're told they commit adultery with her. It could be quite literally, but even if it's not, to stop listening to Jesus and to start to follow someone else is to trash that relationship. And Jesus views it that way. And it's deadly, verse 23. I think this is the most uncomfortable verse in the passage. Who does Jesus mean? I think he means uh, people who are the fruit of this teaching. Uh, The spiritual products, if you like. And they're being led to their death. Uh, Please understand, Jesus has provided a way for any man or woman to come to him and be forgiven. As we've seen in the symbolism of baptism, the things that we do that offend God washed away. And we begin a new life, a new relationship. The false teaching is distorting that. So that people never properly hear the good news. The image of Jesus that they have is not the real one. And so people are being told that they are spiritual, being told they're Christians, but they're not. What a terrible thing to do to someone. And to tell them that they're all right with God when in reality the situation is deadly. And while the church in Thyatira tolerates it, Jesus says, I need to act so you understand how serious this is. Now be clear. False teaching is deadly. We dare not let it go unchecked. Now here's the last thing. Verses 25 to 29. And it's this. Jesus wants us to be responsible alongside him. But just as we finish, I think with these verses, we're we're back again with with big government. I don't know if you've picked up on the news, the petition that was submitted to Downing Street. It, It read something like this. We, the undersigned, petition the Prime Minister to scrap the planned vehicle tracking and road pricing policy. Loads of people have signed up to it. It's been on the news. You might have signed up to it yourself. It's an example, I guess, of that feeling that big government is always imposing things on us without really caring. Not treating us as responsible. Trying to run our lives in a kind of dictatorial way. We could think that about Jesus. But we'd be wrong. It's been in evidence as we go through this passage. You see, he's not quick to judge people. You just look again at verse 21, what he says about this woman. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. I've given her time. Jesus, if not tolerant of sin, is patient. It may be that he's giving some of us time to repent of something we know is, is seriously wrong. 
it would be terrible to squander that time. And as for Jesus just wanting to to run our lives in a dictatorial fashion, is that how God's government works? Well, not if the last part of this letter is anything to go by. You see what he says in verse 25. He says to these Christians who are remaining true to him, only hold on to what you have until I come. Stick with the true message of Jesus. Live with him in charge. And then he explains what he wants to give you. Jesus wants to share his responsibility. Verses 26 and 27 pick up the language of Psalm 2 again. It's the authority of God's King, Jesus. But here Jesus is sharing it with his people. Giving authority to others. Not just keeping it all for himself. Jesus' government is the kind that shares responsibility, trusts people with things, wants to include them and involve them. And more than that, Jesus wants to share himself. Verse 28. Just look at these words where he says, I will also give him the morning star. And I don't think jewellery. I think symbolism again, because at the end of Revelation, Jesus calls himself the morning star. The kind of government that Jesus wants to draw you into is the kind where the man at the top is your close personal friend and he's accessible to you. I will give you the morning star. I want to share myself with you. Isn't that big government you can respect? Isn't that big government you'd want to be involved with? Isn't that big government you'd be willing to trust even on the difficult issues in your life. And what a privilege. Actually, you begin to be involved now if you're a Christian. And that means being responsible. Where have you got responsibility? Is there a ministry within the church? And maybe it's your own family that you look after. Perhaps it's working with Christian integrity in business. And as you do that, You need to be responsible with the message of Jesus. So don't be unthinkingly tolerant. We need to stop being naive as Christians. We need to be clear that false teaching is deadly. And we need to keep being truthful about Jesus. Let's pray together.